All right. So this morning, um, I want to share with you just something in that, in this regard, um, just regarding um, what is church supposed to look like? What is church supposed to look like? And um, God has called this house to, uh, uh, um, to carry a culture of revival. And we've seen revival happening. Revival is not many bunch of meetings. I've said this before. Revival is a culture of wherever you go, healings, miracles, signs, and wonders, people getting saved. So wherever you go. We're building the kingdom of God. We're not trying to build this physical church here. We're building the kingdom. So our focus is not trying to fill the building up with a lot of people. We're trying to have impact wherever we go. So there's people's lives that have been influenced, people's lives that have been touched, people being coming to know the Lord, and amazing testimonies as you guys have been hearing about the miracles and healings taking place on the streets. So um, I, I really believe, and I've said this before, that we on the on the on basically on the edge of I'm telling you of the greatest awakening. That we have have seen, most the most people that have ever lived or presently living on Earth right now. Okay, so um, I believe there's really we we standing at this tipping point. I've said it a few times before, um, and um, you know what? I really believe that on Earth right now there's a longing. People have a longing for family. People have a longing for family. And do you know what? Most people don't know what family looks like. That's the other scary side. We might have grown up with maybe a parent or not a parent or with mother or a father or both or not. But you realize your perspective and someone else's perspective is not necessarily correct. Hello? Hello? So, I really believe this is what right now on earth and that people are longing for something more. And the thing is this, is that what we are seeing is that um, um, either the world will shape your and my culture of how we do things, or heaven's going to shape that culture. We've had a few discussions with my daughter even coming back after the, the camp and she would phone us and and, and like she came back also in tears and stuff and phoned the one night and that. And I was also a bit shocked, guys. Now, I was a stowed gut, if you want to say it, <laughs> when I was unsaved. Um, some of you know my testimony. Instead of becoming a mercenary, I became a missionary. And um, all that went with us. And... Um, you know, so my daughter comes and she's, and so we got up to nonsense then, like, and uh, I was still staying in Johannesburg at that stage, and um, you know, my friends would, my friends and that, it, God, it was God's grace at that stage of my life, well, always been, but they were taking drugs from my friends, we would steal his mother's car, this was standard four, man. Stand four, grade, what's it? Five. Five. Five, six, seven, five, whatever. It's just Transam. They had the mullah. And we take for spin. Me and my Lebanese friend. <laughs> He'd be smoking dacha and that. And it's funny how God kept 
there was there was a reason why I actually didn't touch stuff. It was actually because of my mom. Well, I never touched alcohol and I never touched at that stage and drugs. There's a reason. Anyway, um, the reason why I'm saying this is we got up to really, you know, stuff. And um, my daughter mentions to me, so they had the school leaving camp. Now she's standard five, grade seven uh, this week. And, that, and, and we go and we, she phones and she says, no, you know, like, What's the word? Everyone's holding hands, and every. I mean, she says, and she says, Dad, this, 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 and this is one of the friends. Uh, this, 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 this uh, guy or this girl, whatever, didn't even know that one. But now, now they're holding hands. You know, they. And I listen to this. How is it that in three days, on a camp with all your grade sevens? Suddenly something happens. That's the culture that we're in. So either the culture that we live in, where you work, whether it's Bloemfontein, Ghana, wherever it is in the world, the culture, whether it's in Switzerland, Austria, whatever, the culture that you're in can influence you to the way that you live. And a lot of us hide behind our own personal culture. So these things can have an influence on you. So what God is calling is causing us, I'm speaking this morning about what the church is supposed to be and look like, is that the church is supposed to have a kingdom culture. There's a culture and a way of life that you and I are supposed to have. Alright? And this is what God wants to do. That Do you know that... Um, Presently, you know, there's the millennials, there's the baby boomers, and whatever. And then there is presently the Generation X. Sorry, Generation Z, not X. Generation Z. Generation Z is between the age of 4 and 24 years old. Do you know that this age presently is the most influential age presently on earth? Between the age of 4 and 24. Alright? The most influential. So whatever that culture is, is going to be the influence. You realize that. Okay. But I believe we have an opportunity to influence this generation. I believe God's called us is that to have this influence across the nations. But it starts with the church. It starts with us. Okay, this is important. Um, firstly, I want to say that the purpose of the church, firstly, it's God's purpose, it's not man's purpose. God, in, God initiated church. When Jesus was put on the cross, blood came from him. When he was pierced in his side, water came from him. The church was burst. So, this was always God's intention, that heaven wanted to invade earth, and that was through the church. Okay, we can see in the book of Acts chapter 2. But the Bible speaks about this. The Bible speaks about the assembly. The Bible speaks about the ecclesia. The Bible speaks about the called out ones. All right? The called out ones. And this is what I believe God's calling us um, to do in that, is that the, the, the word 
church, the actual word in the Bible speaks of ecclesia. Ecclesia comes from actually a Greek word. And the Greek word comes from actually a word used in that uh, time, which basically means the assembly of young men which are old enough to vote. The assembly of young men that are old enough to vote. That's where the word ecclesia, called out ones, come from. Okay, so this is this is basically this word became a common use and commonly known as the assembly of believers that gathered together for what for one purpose. Okay, it was a gathering together for one purpose, and hopefully that purpose is about Jesus. That's why I said a lot of lot of people gather on a Sunday around a sermon instead of around the presence of God. Israel gathered around the presence of God. So a lot of us come, we oh, this is going to listen to the meeting. I want to say, if you haven't nurtured the presence in your life because you are a carrier of the glory in the presence of God, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. What are we supposed to be carrying? Glory. That's why we see the glory manifest on us, physically even. That's normal Christianity, which is another thing we've spoken about. Okay, so church is something that's designed by God, okay, with one purpose, to see God, to see the presence of God. Now, the, the, the church might look different in different places. And I want to say to you, sometimes we, we write off other churches, whatever. I want to say, make sure, and this is a value in this house, is honor. Honor. We honor other churches. We honor other leaders. We honor other churches. So church might look like a, a couple of people with a few instruments in a house. And, you know, and they've gathered there. So a church might look like a place with loud uh, music, lights, whatever. Also, church can look like also a place with an organ playing in it. All right, so let's be careful that we don't just box what God wants to do because I've seen God walk, work in all these areas. I've seen more liberty in some of the most reformed churches um, happen in Europe that I've seen in a lot of the your charismaniacs ch- or whatever. <laughs> just, just kidding. So let's honor these different churches. So a church can look different in different ways. Some people can be dressed up in a certain way or not, or dressed down or whatever. Like. That, that's fine. So um, none of us have it all. I've said this before. We don't have it all. We don't have full revelation because we're only a facet of the body of Christ. Okay. So God designed the church. The church was always and it was always meant to, meant to be diverse in, in nature. So what is the church? Um, it's a gathering of, of people that keep Jesus at the center. Now the book of Acts uh, reveals what the church should look like. So one of the, 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 do you know this, that one in five people of Generation Z, uh, Generation Z one in five people of Generation Z believe uh, um, b- believe uh, only one in five people in generation Z believe in going to church all right that's quite scary only one in five believe don't you I'm speaking across the world now sixty percent of generation Z reject a single religion. 60% of generation reject a single religion. We need an awakening, awakening on this earth, guys. Yeah, I know if you hear what I'm saying. I'm giving just facts now. So, um, it, it, honestly, it's a time for the great awakening to, to take place. And um, 
more than ever before. So, listen to me. You can be under uh, the noise of culture or actively seated in Christ in heavenly places and see what God is doing in the nations. And this is the thing. is you, You've seen what's happening. I've posted some of the stuff. Um, uh, some of you just make as you know about him or heard about him. But a lot of you would have heard about Kanye West or Kanye West. Um, he's just already brought out an album and that, that King of Kings. Jesus, eh? Jesus King. Sorry, Jesus King. He just brought out, do you know that, when was it? I think last Sunday. So he's having meetings where everyone is coming, all these people. He's one of the most followed people even on Twitter in the world. Guess what? Last Sunday, people just gathered. He's, he's starting to have these meetings and sharing about Jesus. 2,000 people got saved last Sunday in one of his meetings. Can I give you, let me tell you, there's, there's, we, we met with people, I told you years ago, this was in about 2000, when was 9-11? 2011? 2002? 2001. 2001. So we were 2002, I think, a year after it, something. And we met with people, we actually met the people that um, uh, used to be uh, uh, stunt doubles and things and that for Steven Seagal in the movies in Hollywood. We actually met them and they were counseling him at that stage, him and his wife. And that um, was Christian people and that were counseling him. And long stories, he wanted to add Buddhism with Christianity. And anyway, he got divorced. The thing is this, is even those people were telling us the actual major move amongst of the Holy Spirit amongst Hollywood. Guess what? There's Kanye West that, that God is using. He got saved this year. There's the other rapper, Chance. Anyone heard of him? Ah, oh, thank you. They're at the back. Revival, uh, Budgie? You're not sure. Uh, uh, Selena Gomez? I think second highest. What in the world on, on Twitter? There's Justin Bieber. He got saved a year and a half, whatever, I think, ago. And that. Now, you know, just don't let all the religious people manifest now. Hopefully there's none here. But the thing is, what's busy happening, there's this major influence that's busy taking place in that. And um, you know what, you know, Paul speaks about this, you know, the way that things are preached, let me tell you, the way it will look will be very different many times to how you and I expect it. Do you know that the most learned people of the scriptures in that time couldn't even recognize God in front of them? Hello. Jesus, if he walks into this place here, now, today, my question is always, and this is where my pants pens start shaking, will you recognize him? Alright, so, let's not criticize the package that it comes in. Ah, oh, they've got tattoos. They've got piercings. They dress like this. They tell you, we'll get surprised to see how Jesus walks in this world today. So let's not criticize the package. All right? This is important. I'm speaking about because there's an impact that God is busy bringing about. And the most influential presently on earth is between the age of 4 and 24. And either the culture of this world is going to influence or heaven's going to influence. And we've seen with these major 
shakers and that in, on earth presently, like I mentioned, Kanye West and that, are having a major impact. I say, man, whether you, you look like this, sound like this, if there's fruit that I see, great. You judge it by the fruit. We normally judge it by the look. Some people have made comments, even like you've seen that photo I posted a while ago, three years ago, four years ago, the guy with the tats and the inbuilt things in his head and the eyes that have been tattooed in San Francisco. You've seen the photo with me. A lot of people would, wouldn't go stand by that guy. And I know God touched that guy just by standing there. Yeah, we're scared of the world. I want to tell you, God is not scared of sin. Jesus is not scared of sin, but the church seems to be. When I say that, I'm not saying to sin. But I'm saying God is not scared of it. He goes to the depth, the darkest places to save people. Alright? You with me? Good. <clears throat> so, the package might look very different. You see, the religious leaders could not accept Jesus as the Messiah because he did not come the way they wanted him to come. Alright, so in Acts chapter 2, we just quickly look there in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse um, 40 and 43. Acts 2, verse 40 and 43, it says here, And with many other words uh, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added. And, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship of breaking bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Alright, so what happened? There's great fear that came upon them. Why did great fear come upon them? Because they were living a life that no one had seen. What does family look like to you? Because the way I might see family is not maybe a kingdom value or way of seeing family. They saw life so much more different than, than, than the people had ever seen before. So, um, guess what? You and I have been called to live life differently. I'm telling you now. Um, you know, it's, it's, we're not called to, listen to me, we're not called to blend in or fit in. We're not called to blend in, fit in, alright? We're called to be unique. To do, to be a shining example of what God has called us to be. And in that, let me just read you from verse 43, Acts chapter 2, verse 43, it says here, uh, read verse 43, it says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all and as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, they, are, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. All right. So, um, 
What I've seen over the years is that probably 99% of the focus of church is inward. How many people can we get in this place? Hey, have you invited someone? You, I was taught that. We're not trying to fill up this place. We're trying to firstly get filled with more of God and take Him out there. And that's why our heart is, is the nations and that. And that's why we're involved in nations and that. And that's why we're involved in the workplace. We see the miracles. We see people getting saved out there. Alright? So, God is just, just really just doing something amazing in that. So, we called, really called just to make a difference in that. And, um, you know, when, when our focus is only yeah, it's this lake that gets full, and if there's no outlet, then the focus remains here. Jesus never built inwards, he always built outwards. Do you know that? So our focus is always out, because the river of God, in the book of Revelations, Ezekiel says the river of God flows from the throne to the temple, to the streets. There's an outward movement in that. And always keep that in mind. So I'm, I'm speaking about what is church this morning, and I'm speaking about it's supposed to be family. But there's a certain outlook we're supposed to also have as a family. And how does it look that such fear comes upon the people because what they've seen is what they hadn't seen? You see... When this outflow takes place, because of what God is doing inside, there's a collective thing God does here. Alright? There's an individual work God also does here. But God says to Isaiah, He says, He says, take the scroll and He says, He says, eat the scroll. And He says, God says, who is going to the nations? And Isaiah says, send me, I'll go. Do you understand? The focus can, if it remains here, will become a salt, salty, tasteless place. Okay, keep this understanding in your hearts and that. So Isaiah uh, recognized, um, he recognized what, what God required from him, what he had to do. So, what happens in our time together here yeah, affects outside. And I've seen that. That's why we hear the testimonies. What happens corporatively here yeah, is affecting outside over there. Alright, never let this, this place be the end. This is the outflow from what God is doing here is out there. I'm speaking about what is church and what's it supposed to look like this morning. So our lives together and uh, impact those living outside. We celebrate what's happening inside, but we celebrate what's happening outside. So the early church knew how to do life together well and to do mission well. And to do mission well. And that's why there's people in other churches which we also give input and oversee as well in this, uh, in this nation and also in other nations. So why? Because we're doing church well. It has nothing to do, it's not about the, the masses of people that have influence. I'm telling you, that's democracy. That's not, one, you and God is a difference. You make a difference. Start thinking like that in that way. Alright, so, um, how does a healthy, thriving family and church look like? I'm glad you asked me. How does a thriving uh, church and, and, and family look like? How does it look? Okay, the first one I want to just touch on, there's about four points, five points in this. The first one is that um, there's another way to do life in the culture we live in. 
There's another way to do life in the culture we live in. And South Africa has so many different cultures. Don't find your identity in your culture. Find it in a kingdom culture. Alright? So there's values. There's values we have from our different heritages. Doesn't mean we shut everything down. Obviously not. I mean, we have to stop Brian. We couldn't do that. It's unbiblical. Uh, <laughs> but, so, there's certain things in that. So, there's, okay, so there's another way of doing life. We don't have to live in the pressures of culture. We can live above the pressures of culture. So, Jesus lived a life and he lived out the dream of the Father. And um, remember, he lived in this absolute demonically Roman-controlled culture. It was rough. You think it's rough these days? What they did to people. And this is the life that, 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 he, that he came in in this perfect time and he lived in that culture. And he brought this kingdom culture. So what happened was... He lived and thrived in that culture. Some people say, oh, but you know, you don't know how it is in this country. I want to say when the kingdom invades a place, that is the culture that invades and takes over. Don't tell me how strong the devil is. I want to tell you Jesus overcame him. So we need to start thinking like this and believing this. Okay? Um, uh, How did Jesus handle impossibilities? With sickness. He healed him. How did he handle uh, food shortages? He multiplied the food. Okay? You, you see, there's always another way of life. And the church needs to start living in the place called impossible. Some of us are going, going through challenges financially, relationally, whatever. Why? Because we haven't found the place of worship and impossibility to see heaven invade that situation. And the things we go through is that God is preparing us so that we can walk with a, a heavenly culture mindset into a place that needs it. The wooden planks is not for you. We, in the hands of God, to be built according to His purposes. And when we the focus, we can always going to moan. If He's the focus, we say, Lord, let it be done to me according to your will. So... You know, Jesus would just do life differently in culture. The second point, the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. How was a thriving church looking looking like? So, the world says one plus one is two. Alright? But, with the Holy Spirit factor, one plus one can be anything God wants it to be. This is what I'm saying, guys. We've seen this. I've shared testimonies here. We see bank accounts suddenly increasing credit. We've seen bonds paid off. We've seen people getting inheritance from where there's not supposed to be inheritance. We, yeah, in this house. You see, there's another way. When the Holy Spirit is on your team, there's a different way. And, and some of us will mark, my paycheck is my source. Well, if that was my case, I would have died of Lack. But the salary cannot be your source. He is. And when that becomes a reality, you have your breakthrough. When you get the breakthrough, other people get the breakthrough. Alright? Your breakthrough is someone else's breakthrough. So, we often trust Holy Spirit to come into the situations. This is what we need to do. And the same Spirit that gave us life and gave this life to you and me, the same Spirit 
brings life to death situations. Situations that seem dead, we need to invite the Holy Spirit into. I want to tell you, some of you might be facing impossible situations this week. You need to invite Holy Spirit into it. I don't know how it works. Well, I don't know what you're going to do, Holy Spirit, but you know, that is a piece of metal. And the car looks like that. And I don't know how, what, what, thank you, invade this place. I'm telling you, sometimes we, we, we live just a natural life. And God's called us to live a supernatural life. Okay? So, um, in the early church, they expected God to show up. Do you realize that? That what sets us apart is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, this is the power of God. The Holy Spirit sets us apart. And a lot of us are learning to know the the Holy Spirit. And we need to get to know Him more. To see the impossible situations become possible. You guys have heard how many of the testimonies of healings, of incurable diseases. Uh, Just... um, Tina, can I share just about just about when you moved from Madagascar, what happened since you've been there? All right. So she was sharing. Tina was sharing with me that. So she's a medical doctor, and then she was actually overseeing the whole medical thing there in Madagascar at this one massive um, mining place. The the the, the whole uh, setup they have there, and the staff with the medical uh, wards and whatever, and. She said, she was saying interesting things. She said, since she actually left and there was actually issues more with some of the, uh, the, the mind management regarding this, yeah, created some not comfortable things. But anyway, so when she left, she said the time that she worked there, she was there for how long? A year? Two and a half years. No one died. Since she's left there in a year, 11 people have died. Now, what I'm saying is not, you know, I want to tell you, when you realize who's in you, and when you realize the Holy Spirit that is on you, and when you go into the situation, something restores and preserves the places around you. Lord, but will you destroy Sodom if there's, if there's, if there's 50 people righteous? Lord, will you destroy Sodom if there's 20 righteous people? Lord, guys, I don't know if you realize your life is preserving the workplace that you're working in. Think like this. That's the culture of heaven. If we are removed from this earth, what happens? We are the light. We are the salt. The reason why that business is working is because of you. The reason why there's favor in that university is because of you. The reason why is because of you. When you start to think like that, you will go through the fire that you're going through. Some of us, if our self-focus is on us, it's about us. But the reason why you're there is because you bring in about change. Alright. Holy Spirit sets us apart. The, the, the next point is to be discipled. To be discipled. How does a healthy church thrive? Is to be discipled. Okay, you and I have to be, you and I have been designed to be discipled. God shapes us, He forms us, He molds us, He's the potter, right? If, if you're not open to be discipled, you're left to your own means. 
Yeah, but you don't know my father. Well, only somebody knew my father. <laughs> and my friends would run because when they just saw him, they ran away. Because he looked so angry. Yeah, but you don't know my circumstance. I don't know your circumstance, but God knows your circumstance. God knows your circumstance. But you know what? All of us need to be formed, not by the culture or our circumstance. That's why we have to be discipled. It's God's design. Yeah, but I don't like when authority figures, you know, tell me to do this. Well, where's the problem line? I'm not your father that beat you up. I'm not your mother that did that to you. Just show me what they look like. It's not the same people. So it's so important. This is God's design to be formed, to be molded. If you do not choose for Jesus to disciple you, you unintentionally choose the world to disciple you. That's why church is so important. That's why I've been built into a local church. That's why I, I tell people, people who want to come, members and those, uh, even uh, I've spoken to you before, I said, don't rush it. Don't rush it. If you're in the wrong place, there's going to be a disconnection. And you're going to blame me. I'm not, I'm, don't try to rush people to be part of this house. You, know, you guys know that are part of the, are, are, are covenant partners in this house. Because as soon as you press the buttons, then the whole will start jumping. Isn't that so? Just say, Amen. Yes, thank you. Forgive me. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> we don't like when those buttons, those itches. I remember someone, I remember old Jonathan David, was our spiritual father here. The one woman came in. She said, "Yo, oh, you." She said, "How are you this? You remember?" That? And she was a new person there. And, and, and he said, "He said, he says, just show me what this bastard looks like." He, he, she shows, "Yeah, this is a picture." And he, he, he holds it by his face. He says, Do, "Does this look like me?" No, no. Well, why are you taking that out of me? Isn't that so? We do that. All right, so. The early church studied the doctrines of the apostles, right? So the, the doctrines of the apostles were essentially initially the, the teachings of Jesus. Okay, We cannot allow false doctrines of the world culture to shape what we believe. You know, there's, there's stuff that comes in like, you know, you just your hair stands up on your back. Like, this, you know, the super grace. It's fine to sin. Grace covers you. Absolute nonsense. Grace empowers you. Grace doesn't empower you to sin. But grace empowers you to walk righteously before God. Amen? Alright. Um, every area of our lives must be discipled by Jesus. We need that in our lives. Okay? Um, the last two points is do life together. We do life together. Um, there's some people came to me when, when we, did, we did a, that spit price. So every, for those that know, every end of the year almost we do a Thanksgiving and we do a sheep on the spit or two or whatever, chickens as well. But we did it now two Sundays ago. And, um, you know, some people came and they said, it's the best one we've had. Huh. Why? <laughs> no, but what the gist of it was this thing of also just even what they picked up amongst the people. You know what? When you do life together in family, family is family. That's where you want to be. Church activity is what you do on a Sunday. 
you will leave your father, you will leave brother, you will leave, you need to leave them to follow Jesus. I didn't write the Bible, by the way. But the principle of that is the culture of that what is wrong, you need to change. And you need to turn from. Um, this was initially my own life that I did this and that with my folks. Not walked away in that, but my life changed when I gave my life to Jesus. And within a year, both my parents got saved. Um, so that was the fruit, okay? So do life together. So if you can't answer the question into, uh, unto who you do in life with, that's where you start, okay? Check your circle of, of, of who you do in life together with. Check who you hang around with. If you see friends are like this, that is what you actually like. Now listen to me. I'll say this again. Jesus was a friend of the sinner. But I promise you, Jesus was the influence of the sinner. Not the culture influencing him. That's the difference. And I'm speaking about the family, the house of God, yeah. Um, this is important, okay? So, you know, the early church ate together. They broke bread together. They, they had a spit bride together. Sure, they must have had. They prayed together and they changed the world together. Alright? So, uh, we make sure the people we are doing life with together um, are the right people. Do you know that you're shaped by those that surround you? The life, the, the people that you spend your time with and life with are the people that shape you. So when my daughter would come and she tells me, all these people are like doing this and they're all holding hands and they're all... And I thought, whoa, my goodness. We need to impact this generation. Ask them who Kanye West is or Chance, the rapper, whatever, and they'll tell you. Who's Lima Gomez? My daughter tell me, yeah, that song, that song. I said, okay, my love. <laughs> They've been shaped. All right, so this is important, okay? Uh, um, who you surround yourself with. You're shaped by the people you surround yourself with. There are people you're designed to influence, but there's also specific people to influence you. And this is the key. There's people that I, I, I love being with. Like I love being with good, un, uh, you know, good sinners. I love being with good sinners. So like those guys that are full of devils and on their way to hell and whatever, got horns built into the head and then put in like that. Now thank you, Jesus. Let the Father's love be revealed to this guy. Some of us we run away from them. All they need is Him, Jesus. But make sure those aren't the people that form you and influence you. Do you understand the difference? We need to be the influence there, but not the other way around. Okay, that's very important. Okay, uh, last point is um, generosity. You know what? I want to tell you, I thank God for people in this house that are generous. Woohoo! What we do through this house because of generosity, not because of people who have money. Can I tell you something? In my life and in the ministry, it is the people that, that uh, listen, I'm serious. I actually 
don't really know of, I'm speaking of wealthy people that have given, that I personally know, for ministry stuff or missions. It's the people they don't really have, or the people that, you know, just have normal middle class life or whatever, that actually give. Just by the way. Also with the mission training, we used to give to a lot of people when we did a lot of mission work in Africa. Um, we used to tell people in that with finance and stuff, don't go ask the wealthy people. Because they most of the time don't give. Scary, eh? But how did the early church look? You see, the early church had generosity. Why? Our Father is generous. You see, if you know you're our Heavenly Father, He's a generous Father. That's why you'll be generous. If you don't know who the Father is, you will not be generous. Hello? The Father, God the Father gave everything. He's a generous Father. You see, there is the spirit and culture of generosity. The New Testament church, the spirit of generosity was there. They saw need, they made a plan. They did this, they, they, the spirit, I've seen it happen, especially with the mission, on the mission field, with stuff where we, I mean, like I said, I coordinated stuff in about 44, 42, 44 nations with missions and stuff. When the spirit of generosity works, I've seen people that can't afford to pay for their term, studies, whatever, that financed mission work. That is when the spirit of generosity comes on a place. When that happens, something happens in the place. Something supernatural is the spirit of generosity. Okay, The spirit of mammon always shuts down stuff. The spirit of generosity was a New Testament church. People have been raised up in this house. The, let me, can I say this? I've said this before. God, I believe in prosperity, but prosperity with purpose. God prospers you for the purpose. If you're not sure what the purpose is, then you will only prosper your pocket. And we've spoken a lot on this stuff before. The spirit of generosity, I, I mean, I know some of the visitors don't, don't get worried. We don't take up offerings here. If there's a special occasion, we took up with Lindy Ann the other day, took up offerings, fine. I don't have a problem with taking it, but I don't put God and gold on the same level. I want to promise you this. If you love and know the love of the Father, your hand in your pocket is open to give. That's it. No one has to ever tell you to give. Because you'll hear his voice. At every need. Because your eyes will be open to see. Right, the spirit of generosity. Um, Alright, generosity means the tap's always open. That's the spirit of generosity. It's always open. Okay? And the Bible says they sold everything. This is the early church. You see, there was such a trust in the early church time in that. The Bible says, and they laid money at the feet of the apostles. Now, sometimes I see people do this. I don't know why. I must be honest. I, I, they, they go and put feet there at the feet of the, the I was preaching or whatever. But I, so I don't always know the context. But what it actually means in the Bible is they put feet at the apostles' feet. Was that they were willing to resource and finance the apostolic work. That's what it means. They were willing to resource that mission thrust and work. They were willing to invest in the vision of the assignment of the house. Okay? 
<clears throat> is my generosity tied to tax benefits or things like that? Because in the past it was in South Africa, you know that. Just by the way, I think pre-94, if you actually tithed and stuff, it was tax deductible. There were certain things that we actually used to give for businesses this many years ago, where people got tax deductions. Do you know in America they still do it? And do you know that the one party, Democratic Party, actually wants to take it away now? Do you know the biggest mission thrust of financing is from America? So there are people that are getting, instead of paying that tax amount, they're literally giving it to the church and stuff. But my question is, are you giving, if we had a tax write-off, would you give because of that or because you're generous? That's the difference. You, you getting what I'm saying? All right. So everyone has a purpose and a calling in the kingdom. There's a collective call and there's an individual call that God has called us for. Some of us um, have assignments maybe with uh, dozens of people. Some of us have assignments with thousands of people. I uh, recently just heard in that, um, um, it was said that there was, you know, who's heard of John Maxwell? Great teacher on leadership. Um, so he's just got older and the people he's raised up, they mid-life type of age, this stage. And some of these guys, the one guy, actually used to minister to thousands of people. He was saying this thing. He said, well, I've been ministering to thousands of people. Now I only minister to dozens of people. God is calling us on my life, but it's just changed. You see, our focus, we think we're successful. We have the thousands. But I want to say, if you can change 12 people, 12 can change the world. And that has been something, the concentrate concentrate in even in this house of something I've seen over the years, even yet. We've been a smaller congregation, but we impact nations. We do. So sometimes God gives us a dozen to work with. Some, some of you might work with tens of thousands. It's fine. I'm successful not because of what I do, but because of who I am. You're successful because of who you are in Christ, not because of what you do. If it is because of what you do, your identity lies in your successful job or your successful bank account. All right? All right, so... The early church knew what they were called to do, and that was part of the thriving church. And this morning I want to say is, let's be a thriving church. That what I see, what, what I mean, I saw even with the spit bra, I mean, I saw what people were doing, I was watching. I watch people, and I watch things, why? The Holy Spirit watches us. And I watched people, they were just playing games together. Some people swimming, some, pe- some people were brying, uh, some people were eating. Some, do you understand? There was, the, I, I was sitting there thinking, this, this is family here. They, they weren't uncomfortable about doing something else. If you hear what I'm saying, in the same setting. There was this camaraderie, this one heart, this one mindness. And I really believe there's, there's something got settled in my heart, just even in the household, there's a family in this place. And I want to tell you something. Because we're learning to know God, God wants us, and He's going to use this house to do great exploits. And I want to say, prepare your heart. And, and, and really just say, God, you know, I, I just want to, I want to understand that, that the culture we are cultivating, the culture of revival, I want to see it happen out there more and more. Amen. Let's stand to our feet.
Yeah, thank you, Jesus. So, Father, I want to thank you for what you do in your lives, and thank you for family. Thank you for a place we can call family, Lord. I, I thank you for even people who have been away for a long time and say, this is my family, this is my home. I thank you, Lord, because there's a value and a culture in this house because you are the focus. Your presence is the focus, Lord. If it's not, if it's about anything else and you're not that focus, then, Lord, then sort our hearts out in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that some of these points that were brought up, um, that, that there really be values about in our own lives that we can understand why heaven would want to invade earth through a group of people gathered together because you saw something inside them to change the world. Now, Father, thank you. You work in us, work through us, that this world, this city, will be changed for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Guys, um, have an amazing week.